What you're about to listen to is episode 126 of The Fanboy. However, all throughout today's recording, I referred to it as 125. So be sure to laugh at my expense, but rest assured, this is The Fanboy, episode 126. Hi everybody, Mario Francisco Robles, MFR here with you, and this is episode 125 of the Fanboy Podcast. How's everybody doing out there? Look, there is a lot to discuss, so I'm going to be diving right in, but just a quick tease. This episode will be concluding with a one-hour discussion that I recorded earlier this week with Batman on Film's Bill Jett Ramey. That's right, an old friend of the show, someone who helped kind of put me on the map and kind of helped Revenge of the Fans come to be, whether he realizes it or not. Um, I, you know, It's been a while since I've had Brother Bill on the show, and I kind of wanted to discuss some stuff because, you know... He and I have a very interesting history when it comes to Zack Snyder's Justice League. He and I were sort of, you know, our, our, we have a hand in one of the chapters of this saga that's been unfolding for years in that we were the first two reporters to f- come right out and say in the spring of 2017 that Justice League is basically getting remade. And, uh, well, yeah, you'll see, you know, we're, we're going to do a little bit of a kind of like a, a history lesson or a recap of what it's been like to be sort of tracking this Justice League movie over the course of the last six years, as well as our own sort of intimate relationship to what ended up happening to that movie. So I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you. But the thing is, there's also like a bunch of other topics, you know, it, it, full disclosure, Sometimes when I record a conversation in advance and I know it's like 45 minutes or an hour, I know, okay, so the, you know, I, I can kind of go light on the topics this week because the conversation is so long, you know, maybe I could find like 15 to 30 minutes worth of stuff to talk about before getting to that talk. But honestly, when I was putting together the show notes, I realized I can't, th- this is going to be a very long episode. So if you were upset that last week there wasn't a new episode of the show, uh, you're essentially probably going to get two episodes worth of content today. And you may want to pause somewhere in the middle. All right. But for now, let's go ahead and start diving through these topics because I am very, very excited. And I'm going to start things off with I, I, what has to be the biggest story of the week for me. And that is that Superman and Lois has premiered on the CW and that I have watched it and that I have loved it. Um, you know, but I, I need to ground all that in context. I need to sort of explain to you why that's especially meaningful for me, because listen, you know, enjoying a TV series is one thing, you know, like yesterday I started a, a, a new comedy with my wife. We were watching uh, AP bio cause I love Glenn Howerton from always sunny in Philadelphia. So, you know, I checked out a new series and I dug it and now I know it's something else I can watch. But when it comes to Superman-related stuff, it's never just a TV show. It's never just a movie. It literally feels like I'm getting a chance to spend some more time with my best friend. 
It feels like, you know, this, it, it just, it feels so much more urgent and personal when it's a Superman project of sorts. And look, when I, over the years, when I talk about how much of my time I've spent waiting on Superman sequels, you know, I mean, just a quick recap, you know, I waited for Superman 5 for many years after Superman 4 with Christopher Reeve. And then when that got scrapped and then it became Superman Lives, I was waiting for Superman Lives. Then I was waiting for Superman Flyby. Then I was waiting for Superman Returns. Then I was waiting for the sequel to Superman Returns. <laughs> then I was waiting for Man of Steel. And finally, I was waiting for a solo sequel to Man of Steel. And so when you combine all of that, I've spent the better part of the last 34 years waiting for a Superman movie. You know, it, it, it's, it, it's kind of astounding to think that we've only gotten two solo Superman movies in the last 34 years. But really, you know, aside from those standalone years of 06 and 13, 32 of those years have been spent wondering, am I going to get another Superman movie anytime soon? And when I complain about that stuff, it's not from a place of feeling entitled, like, where's my movie? I want more of my favorite thing. Why aren't you giving me more of my favorite thing? It's more, I just miss the guy. I miss Superman. And what I want is a chance to spend more time with him. Because growing up, you know, Superman was like, he felt like a friend. He felt soothing. He felt comforting. And that's something I needed growing up. You know, the first several years of my life were kind of tumultuous. You know, some of my earliest memories were watching mom and dad yell and scream at each other and me trying to distract them so that they don't kill one another. You know, it, it was me getting whisked away to El Salvador at the age of four, not knowing if I'm going to see my dad again and my mom trying to start a whole new life. You know, the first several years of my life were kind of like bumpy and, and strange and, uh, filled with, with things I had to adapt to. And that's why when I discovered Superman on TV, you know, it wasn't through the comics. It was through watching Superman 1 and 2 and 3 on television and then seeing Superman 4 in 1987 when I was four years old. Um, you know, having seeing Superman always somehow made me feel better. You know, even though on some level, of course, I knew it was all fake, there was just something about this man who cares and this man who just wants to protect and this man who, despite the sadness and loneliness and that feeling of being an alien and being alone and being an outcast and an outsider, despite all that, he just wants to help. And that's always something that like comforted me a lot as a child. You know, seeing Superman felt soothing to me. It felt like, you know, Superman could save me. And on days when things were a little too dark or a little too heavy or I was being asked to grow up a little too quickly, you know, I always kind of had this thing where, well, I could still look to the skies and there's, there's, there, there's somebody out there fighting for us, fighting for me, you know, and maybe that sounds a little schmaltzy or a little over the top, but it is what it is. You know, when, when Superman tells Lois... You know, when she asks him, who are you after that helicopter rescue in Superman the movie? And he says, a friend. Um, he really, you know, th that to me is what he felt like. And it's kind of been a through line through all of my favorite adaptations of Superman. 
you know, because it's not just Reeve that I love. You know, every version of Superman that speaks to me is the version where he's being selfless and kind and just being a friend and a protector to somebody who feels vulnerable or, or hurt or forgotten or, you know, someone who's been wronged. And, you know, who wouldn't love to feel like there is a guardian out there who could show up at a moment's notice to get us out of danger or get us out of a scary situation? You know, and growing up, especially kind of being a lonely kid, not having any siblings, not having a mother who who really seemed to understand the value of socializing her son and, and maybe like setting up visits with his class friends or making slumber party things or whatever, you know, for whatever reason, I'm not mad at her for it. It just wasn't in her ecosystem. But, you know, I didn't really socialize. I didn't have my first real friend who I could like speak to on the phone and hang out with outside of class until I was 14 years old. So those first 14 years, there was a lot of lonely times. And there was a lot of times of me sort of locked in my imagination, coming up with fantastical stories that were kind of an escape from what was going on, you know, or just kind of an escape that I needed because otherwise I was going to drive myself nuts. And Superman was always just this soothing, peaceful force in all of that. And he always kind of made me feel stronger somehow. You know, I, I know it doesn't make a lot of sense. And a lot of this is I'm, I'm sharing the thoughts of, you know, a child in single digit ages. But, you know, in some way that manifested itself in this desire just to spend more time with him. You know, after Superman 4 and, and, and the, the waiting game began, it, it started becoming this just like, I just want to see him fly. I want to see him saving lives. I want to hear his voice. I want to just spend time with him. I don't want to see an origin again. I'm not necessarily interested in which comic book villain they could bring in that's going to make it super cool. You know, for me, it was honestly just, I want to spend more time with my hero. Whether he's real or not, I want to spend more time with my hero. And that's what makes Superman and Lois so special. Because, look, I don't flock to just every and any Superman property. I just don't. You know, I may be a diehard Superman fan, but I, I, I still decide which paths I want to take and which stories I want to dive into. So like, for example, I never watched Smallville and that surprises some people because, you know, Smallville ran for what, 10 or 11 years. And when you hear me talk about Superman, you would assume I'd want to watch a 10 season series about his upbringing and his path to becoming Superman. You'd think that would be up my alley, but just based on the trailers and just based on some of the things I heard during the first season, it became very clear to me that this is not really the... Uh, the version of the story that I'm all that interested in. This feels more like a soap opera. This feels more like for teenagers. This feels more like, you know, creature of the week on a limited budget, kind of like dollar store Superman storytelling. That's how it felt to me. And I'm, you know, if, if that offends you as someone who loved Smallville, I'm very sorry. But I only bring that up to, as a, to sort of point out that like, I don't just blindly follow anything that has a Superman S on the cover. You know, I, I need to be interested in it. And even with, with 
his earlier appearances here in the Arrowverse, this version of Superman, Tyler Hoechlin's Superman, didn't get me to start watching the Arrowverse shows. You know, even though I did drop in and see a couple of his early appearances, and even though I did kind of think like, huh, you know, the the tone there kind of nails it, especially in the first two appearances he makes in Supergirl. And then I dropped back in to watch some of the crossovers. But all in all, you know, in a way, like there was a, a separation between me and that Superman. It was like, oh, they, you know, all oh, the Arrowverse has their own little Superman. Isn't that cute? I'm over here waiting for my movie, but at least those Arrowverse people have their adorable little Superman who could, with his limited budgetary abilities. And, you know, it's just, I, I, I kind of had like a patronizing view of this Superman. So I didn't come into the premiere on Tuesday with very high expectations. I came in, you know, listen, as I've said on this show the last few episodes, the promotional materials kind of definitely got my attention because it absolutely made it stand apart from the other glimpses of this Superman that we've gotten so far. And, you know, a part of me was like, maybe that was just good marketing. You know, maybe they know that, like, if this looks like every other Arrowverse show, it's only going to appeal to the viewers we already have. But we would love to appeal to a, bro- you know, a broader audience. So let's just cut the, the, you know, the, the trailers in a way where it doesn't, you know, rely too heavily on the Arrowverse stuff. So, you know, I, I was a little bit cynical. But then watching the actual pilot unfold, it's very clear very quickly that this is its own thing. This is like a fresh start. And yes, I know that there will be technical connections too, and I'm sure there will be crossover stuff. And you know, some of this was actually set up in the last Arrowverse crossover. So I'm, I'm fully aware that this is part of that universe. But in watching this, None of the Arrowverse connections come up, really. Like in that opening montage where they're essentially showing you who this Superman is and what the bullet points are that you need to know in order to you know continue on this journey with him. None of those bullet points were from Supergirl or The Flash or Arrow, any of the stuff that he's done with the pre-existing Arrowverse cast or those characters. So, you know, right from the beginning... It was like, oh, well, no, this really is like the start of something new. And it really does feel like I can just forget about any other thoughts I had on this version of Superman because this is basically where we're starting from now. This is where this story begins and this is all I need to care about. So that was cool in and of itself, too, because I I was also secretly worried, like, if I don't know all the geeky twists and turns of what's happening on the, uh, you know, that Arrowverse universe, am I going to be lost here? And, you know, I just love that it really didn't connect to any of that. And it really felt just like we're starting from scratch with a Superman who's already mid-career who's already in action, and not just that, but now he's in a setting where you've never seen him this way before. You know, Superman the family man, Superman the the man who's been around the world a million times and saved so many lives, but when he comes home, he's still just trying to figure out how to be the best dad and husband he can be. 
You know, it's such a neat way to sort of approach the character. And in a way, such a relief that this series glosses basically straight over the origin. We don't have to watch Krypton blow up again. We don't have to hear any inspiring speeches from Jor-El. Like, they literally catch us up in, like, three minutes while throwing little, you know, Easter eggs at us, too. Like, Tyler Hoechlin in the Max Fleischer costume. And recreating Action Comics number one, you know, all kinds of little things like that. Even the first rescue within the first 10 minutes of the series is a, is an homage to Superman 3. So, you know, th there's a lot of different touchstones that they go to very early in the film, very early in the episode. But all along the way, you're realizing that this is a Superman who's already pretty much done all of the things that you've seen him. Do No matter what the version is, that is sort of in the DNA of this Superman. So you could bring whatever aspects of your fandom that you have to this version of the character. You know, it, it was a very sort of ingenious way to start the series off by basically kind of acting like anything you've ever seen or heard about him could essentially be true because we've molded all of that into his backstory in a way, you know? Um, it was just, it, it, that, that was really cool. But what that did for me, seeing how they started the series off, seeing that it wasn't just great trailers, but that this actually is a series that's being treated with importance and that where the effects look actually pretty damn great. And this looks like a movie, you know, seeing that and realizing what I was realizing, it suddenly started to sink in on me. It was like, wait a minute, it's finally happening. I've been waiting since 1987 to spend more time with Superman. And now, not only did I see him this past Tuesday, but I never have to wait again. It's going to come out every Tuesday, a new episode. And with the early buzz on this... There's no reason to think it's not going to get renewed for another you know, few seasons, probably. So in a way, it's like, this can't be real. You know, me as a long-suffering Superman fan, I almost don't know how to compute this. <laughs> I get to see a Superman who is recognizable to me, who's in an all-new chapter of his career that we haven't seen yet played by actors who seem to really appreciate the mythology that they're bringing to life, written by people who seem to really try, who seem to really love the character and are taking all the best parts of his history and imbuing this series with them. You know, it's, it's almost overwhelming. Like it feels too good to be true. Is this what being a Batman fan is like? Is this what being a Spider-Man fan is like? You know, is this what it's like liking one of those characters where there's just always more movies about them? There's always some new thing to enjoy? Because as a Superman fan, I got to tell you, I don't know what it's like to feel this lucky. <laughs> I don't know what it's like to say, whoa, I found a representation of this character that I adore and I get to see it every week. Like, what is this? Is this how some of you have been living all this time? I'm so jealous of you. <laughs> as a Superman fan, I literally don't know what this is like. And as I'm sitting there watching it this past Tuesday, 
it was just this feeling of like, oh my gosh, it's actually happening. You know, because even like Superman Returns, and even though that was more time with Superman, or at least one that I recognized, um, you know, it still felt like it was setting up sequels. It still felt like it was reacquainting us with, you know, the older Superman and then setting up where they could go next. You know, it did. It felt like a, a, a quick sort of tease of getting to spend more time with him because here's his return. But OK, now he's returned. Now I want to see the continued adventures of Superman. And we never got to see those continued adventures. And then when Man of Steel comes out, it resets the clock. And now we got to watch the origin again. And we have to watch a story that in a lot of ways covers a lot of the same beats as Superman one and two. So it's like it was, you know, it was a slight sort of been there, done that. And so to now actually be here in this place where we can get those continued adventures of Superman, where now we're, you know, now we're after all of that stuff. That to me is like the most exciting thing about all of this. But I, you know, I also have to give credit where credit's due because Tyler Hoechlin really won me over in that one hour premiere. You know, I've seen little tastes, like I said. I've seen quick glimpses uh, of his other appearances on Supergirl and in the crossover episodes. And I got to tell you, not, I, I, I haven't had a great impression of him. You know, I, I liked the costume and I liked that he was playing sort of a gentler, kinder Superman. But I didn't think too much of him as an actor. And it still kind of felt like, you know, cosplay. It felt like, oh, they found a guy who could, you know, wear, fill out the suit and do a reasonable facsimile of what Superman seems like. This time, though, I mean, you almost got to think that someone pulled him aside and said, Tyler, we want you to forget everything that happened prior to this. This is your show. You are the new Superman. There's no movies in the works right now. You are Superman now. So we, you know, go ahead, dig deep dive into this role and make it yours because you're the guy right now. Because this, this, mm, I almost want to curse <laughs> this mother. Anyway, he showed up, he showed up big time and it goes to show you sometimes you can't knock an actor. Sometimes it's the material. Sometimes there's stuff that, you know, they're out you know, extenuating circumstances that affect the performance in ways that, you know, we as viewers can't fully appreciate. And then when you see that same actor who was terrible in something else suddenly be amazing in a different project, that's when you realize, oh, it's not that the performer doesn't know what they're doing. They were just in the wrong setting. They were in the wrong situation with a bad script or a bad director you know, so Tyler Hoechlin, to me, kind of pulled one of those like Cinderella stories where he went from being sort of like the bargain bin Superman that, you know, the Arrowverse got to use to being like, I saw Superman. Like when he's speaking to General Lane after the nuclear reactor, you know, save, he sounds like Superman. You know, and when he speaks to his, when he speaks to Lois and when he speaks to his sons, like his Clark, you know, it felt amazing. It, it was not the Clark Kent, I'm an oaf and I'm, you know, a klutz knocking things over. You know, he made him just like a mild mannered reporter who's just sort of a little bit awkward and a little excitable and someone you would never really suspect of being Superman. 
You know, someone who doesn't really have a lot of poise and who's a little sort of wiry in their energy. Like he he made his Clark different than his Superman. And that's always such an important thing. If you're going to be a Superman actor and the only real difference between the two is the clothing and the glasses, then you've done, you know, you've done a big disservice. You're, you're not showing why it is that people wouldn't connect the two. You know, because that's the point of a good Clark Kent disguise. The Clark Kent, it's not just the glasses. It's no one would ever think that this forgettable, vanilla little nothing is actually Earth's greatest savior. You know, and you have to play Clark in a way where he is just sort of, you know, forgettable and someone you would never even speak in the same sentence as Superman. And Tyler Hoechlin showed he could do that, too. You know, so he showed me a Superman I can get behind. He showed me a Clark Kent I can get behind. I found myself getting emotional in that montage. And I don't even know. I don't even know these characters yet. But watching this Clark and this Lois meet. And this Clark and this Lois get engaged. And the love and the chemistry that they were able to portray for the cameras. And even the quick, tiny glimpse when they're showing Martha the positive um, pregnancy test, like Bitsy Tullock, Elizabeth Tullock, who plays Lois, doesn't even have a line in that. She just has a quick moment where she's sitting there beside Clark looking at Martha to see what her reaction is to the pregnancy test. And her eyes are filled with tears of joy as she can. You know, she's, she's excited to see Martha's reaction to the fact that she's going to be a grandma. You know, like there is just so much like genuine emotion and, and, oh man, I, I, I'm getting goosebumps on my legs just talking about it. Like I, I, the feeling of watching a Superman mythology unfold on the screen in a way that is loving, but multi-dimensional. This was not just like, oh, uh, by golly, I'm your happy-go-lucky Superman and everything's fine and I'm a Boy Scout and everything is very sort of simple to figure out and, oh, here's a big problem that we're going to solve in the next 40 minutes. Like, it didn't feel like that at all. It felt like, whoa, we're dealing with serious stuff here. You know, we're dealing with a son who has social anxiety disorder. We're dealing with a with an America that's in somewhat of disarray. You know, they touched on that. There's a scene there between Lois and Clark and Lana and her husband, whose name escapes me right now. But the husband basically confronts Lois on her being this like big city liberal sort of fake newsy reporter. He doesn't use those terms, but he basically speaks to her as if you're this, you know, you're one of these elites who doesn't really understand what rural life is like. And you don't know what a single day in our lives are like, yet you write about it all the time and you have all these judgments about us. And, you know, it, it, and listen, it's such a quick line, but it shows some of the central division in America right now. It shows some of that, like the rural versus the big cities, the right versus the left. Like, I don't think this is going to be a political show, but the fact that they incorporated some of that element and the fact that they were going after banks and their predatory loan practices, which is what the bank, you know, that, that subplot with Lois trying to figure out how it was that this mortgage got passed through the bank and, and Martha's about to lose the farm. You know, that's a real problem in this country. Predatory loans, that's a real issue that's putting a lot of people in hardship. 
and here's a Superman series shining a spotlight on it. You know, it's kind of amazing. But at the same time, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. You know, Superman has a history of seeming very sort of like corny and broad and yet tackling serious real world issues. You know, I recently went back and read the first Superman comic and it, it, I was kind of blown away because, you know, here we are in 1938 and you know what the, one of the first things he's dealing with is he's dealing with a man who hits his wife. You know, he's dealing with domestic abuse. He was dealing with like, there were like two or three saves he makes in his very first story. And they were all very like socially relevant, interesting things. It's not, I was expecting to go see like, and now in the first, uh, in Action Comics 1, Superman fights a giant mole man who wants to come and, you know, attack the city. Like I was expecting some sort of paint by numbers. Here's a good guy. Here's a bad guy with a ridiculous plot. And here's Superman to stop him. But right from the beginning, Siegel and Schuster said Superman fights for the common man. Superman fights for those who can't fight for themselves. And I guess, you know, it's pretty great for me that Superman and Lois seems to be incorporating some of those elements while obviously also exploring larger sort of sci-fi stories. You know, we, we have that whole thing with the stranger who we find out at the end is uh, Lex Luthor from another Earth. So, you know, th there is obviously all the comic book goodness of that. But the fact that we're talking about things like, you know, banks taking advantage of poor people. We're talking about teens who were kind of over-medicated and dealing with all of these social disorders and how alone and isolated they feel and how they try to, you know, end their lives. You know, teen suicides have been up in recent years. You know, we have we had a quick mention of the firefighter who's like, you know, who has to see dead bodies at, at, at burnt meth labs like, you know, and meanwhile, in our country, you know, we're dealing with an opioid crisis and we're dealing with a meth epidemic. You know, it's it's I don't want to just dwell too heavily on those things, but I got to say hearing all of that stuff brought up in this pilot made me realize this is the series I've been waiting for. These are the stories I've been waiting for. You know, if, if you go back to last year, at some point I was right here on this very show pitching what would have been my perfect Superman series. And at the time I said I wanted to be on HBO Max because, you know, I didn't know CW could pull this off. And I said, I want to see a Superman who is... The idealistic, well-intentioned Boy Scout that we know, but dropped into today's America. And I want the journalism aspect to be important. I want Lois to be kind of, you know, doing an expose on big things. I want a Superman who's dealing with issues that can be seen almost as metaphorical for our time. Like if Brainiac becomes a metaphorical stand-in for our obsession with technology and how technology is eventually going to destroy us, I would love that. You know, I, I, I was talking about a Superman story that has all of the comic book, you know, sort of trimmings, but beneath the, but beneath the surface has something to say or you know, and 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 has like a real beating heart to it. And I guess I don't need HBO Max for that. I guess I've got my show. 
and I've got my Superman. And it's played by Tyler Hoechlin. Like, none of this makes sense to me. You know, Tuesday blew my mind. I got to be perfectly honest. That, you know, that that premiere, if you haven't seen it yet, and if you haven't seen it yet, I'm sorry, I've spoiled a few things. But listen, it's been several days now, okay? So cut me some slack. You had to know that if you're listening to The Fanboy on the week that a new Superman series comes out, you're going to hear a lot about that Superman series, okay? So if you haven't checked it out yet, I strongly suggest you do, whether you have to use the the on-demand function of your cable provider or you have to download the CW app. Um, You know, if you're like me and you love Superman, and you've been waiting to kind of see him fly again into new uncharted territory, then Superman and Lois has arrived, and now that's what you've got. And if you actually want to hear me break down that premiere in even greater detail, I have a show for you to listen to. Because I appeared on the Multiverse Musings vidcast with Adam Basciano and Mr. Stephen Marshall, and we spoke about that premiere for like an hour and a half. <laughs> and it was a very, very excited conversation because I think all three of us were just jumping up and down. You know, and we all have different levels of fandom when it comes to Superman. And, you know, we it's just it's totally worth your time. If if what you like doing is hearing me gush about Superman and analyzing the, the, the parts of his mythology that speak to me the most or whatever. If you enjoy hearing me gush about Superman or if you've been listening to me for years bitching and moaning about Superman and how he's been depicted in these last few years, uh, you owe it to yourself to look up the latest episode of the Multiverse Musings vidcast because now instead of hearing me bitch and moan, you're going to hear me ecstatic. And also, Adam broke up the discussion so that we basically kind of go through the entire episode to all the key aspects and key elements of the premiere and kind of go beat by beat in a roundtable sharing what we thought of it. So if you want to hear an even more detailed analysis of what blew me away about Superman and Lois, I strongly recommend uh, the Multiverse Musings vidcast as a companion to this week's episode. I also showed up on the Fortress of Solitude podcast this week with my friend Sergio Pereira. I'm sure that's not how they say it in South Africa. He's South African. But I can't look at that name and not say it in the Latino way. Sergio Pereira and I got together and talked about scoop culture. So if you want to you know, hear kind of uh, what we think about scoop culture and scoopers and how things sort of kind of, you know, got lost in the shuffle of like somehow it, somewhere along the way, it became more about clout and social media attention than it did about simply sharing information with fans that they may be excited about. That, you know, you heard something cool. Here's what I heard, guys. Instead of it becoming that, it became, look at me tainting your opinions of certain movies before they even come out. Because doom and gloom gets me lots of retweets. So, you know, if you're interested in that, 
uh, look up the Fortress of Solitude podcast and check out that conversation I had with Sergio. Well, I had a lot of interesting conversations this week, huh? I spoke to Bill Ramey over in Texas. I spoke to Sergio over in South Africa. And on the Multiverse Musings, I mean, uh, we have Stephen in the UK and Adam in Canada. So I've basically been discussing geeky stuff with fellow geeks around the world this week. That's pretty sweet, huh? I hadn't even thought of that. But, you know, this job ain't bad. It's funny I call it a job. I ain't getting paid to do this. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll get a sponsor or something, and this will actually pay off for me. Here we are with 125 episodes of podcasts that I've been paid $0 to create for you. <laughs> but either way, this job definitely has its perks. Um, but you know, I, I, I'm trying to think about a, any closing thoughts on Superman and Lois before I move on. Just, you know, it, it's interesting to me the way it takes the best parts of Man of Steel and kind of grounds the series in that feel and aesthetic. Because remember, I love the first hour and a half or so of Man of Steel. You know, my, my issues arise in the third act. And the funny thing is, even the director of the premiere said that. You know, he, he, he said he was inspired by Man of Steel and, th and that there's a very distinct reason why this series sort of seems to, you know, take some cues from what Zack Snyder did. But he also acknowledged that the third act is kind of where things come off the rails. So it's like, oh, so even the director understands my sensibility as a Superman fan. This director may even share my sensibility as a Superman fan. So this is really cool. I, I, this is just such a, it's such a great feeling after all these years of knowing like, wait a minute, Superman is in good hands with a good cast and I get to see him every week. I don't know what this is like, but I'm looking forward to finding out. <laughs> um, and in the weeks to come, yeah, I'm sure yeah, I'm going to be watching every week. So I'll give you updated uh, Superman and Lois thoughts as new episodes come out. If you guys have questions or specific things that happen in the episodes that you'd like me to sort of uh, dissect, I'd be happy to do that because I'm sort of, you know, I kind of have a reputation for seeing uh, more than what's there. You know, I, I have a tendency for like spotting little connections that, that, that not all people do. And uh, I do some of that on the multiverse thing. You should check it out. There, there were a few takes that was like, I don't think anyone's talking about this this way. But yeah, you know, I, listen, when it comes to Superman, I get real deep. So uh, if you want to hear more about my deep thoughts on that, just let me know. But for now, I think a half hour was enough time <laughs> to spend on Superman and Lois. I mean, listen, I could probably talk about it another hour and a half. But for now, suffice it to say... It was a great experience, and I cannot wait to, to have that experience again every Tuesday. But now moving on, um, it's been interesting since we last spoke. Since we last spoke, there's been like a Latino takeover of DC. Have you guys been following all this? So last week, they announced that a Blue Beetle movie is coming about the Mexican version of the character, uh, Jaime Reyes. And they've already got a director. And you know, he spoke about what an honor it is to be directing the first DC, the first Latino DC film. So that was announced. And then it went, you know, we also found out that the cast of Shazam 
too, you know, Fury of the Gods, has now added Rachel Zegler. Rachel Zegler, who was an unknown actress that Steven Spielberg plucked out of obscurity for his upcoming West Side Story adaptation. You know, he basically kind of made her a star. He cast an unknown as Maria. By the way, West Side Story has a special place in my heart because I've acted in two productions of it. Um, so she's playing Maria, which is a, a pivotal role. But she's a young kid. She's like 16 or 17. She goes to high school here in the city. She's a, she's a New Yorker like me, too. I'd love to get her on the show at some point. But she was plucked out of obscurity about a year and a half ago for this West Side Story movie. And now she's just joined Shazam! Fury of the Gods in what is being described as a key role. And even though her name is Rachel Ziegler, she actually is part Colombian. So, you know, so we have the Mexican Blue Beetle. We have Rachel Ziegler, the Colombian actress who's playing Maria in West Side Story, joining Shazam. And we also got Sasha Kali. Calle? I mean, I want to say Calle because that's how you pronounce, you know, C-A-L-L-E. But Sasha Calle is our new Supergirl. And that's something else that I have to touch on. Because that was another big piece of Superman adjacent news last week. You know, the, 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 that Supergirl is going to be in the Flash. It wasn't just announced. It was revealed in a very touching way. You know, director Andy Muschietti released like the, a two-minute clip of the Zoom call or Skype call that he had with Sasha when he informed her that she was about to become the Girl of Steel. And it's such an amazing, if you haven't seen it yet, you should look it up because when you see her realize what he's saying, when you see her realize that her entire life is changing now, it's, uh, you know, it's an indescribable feeling. And, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, there were questions of like, is anyone upset that she's Latina and not a blonde girl as is typically depicted? No, I never care about that stuff. And then another concern I've heard people say is like, well, hang on a second. In this Flash movie, is there going to be a Flash in it? You know, there's so many characters. There's all this. There's all that. How the heck are they going to fit all these characters in? It's getting overstuffed and overblown and yada, yada, yada. I'm not worried about that either. Because, you know, we don't know how long any of these characters are going to be on screen. We don't know if some of this is just quick glimpses to set up later movies. Especially since we know that the Flash is going to be using the Speed Force and he's going to be kind of jumping from place to place, possibly. You know, we've already seen some of that in the trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League. The way he can seemingly run between dimensions is is going to be explored in that. And we know that this movie is going to, you know, lean heavily into the multiverse concept. So there's very much a possibility that a lot of these characters we're hearing about are like, as he's going from Earth to Earth, perhaps looking for something or lost somewhere in the Speed Force, he could just be popping up real quick into a different world and we're catching quick glimpses of other stuff. And it's almost more like fan service to make us go, wait a minute, that's... You know what I mean? And before you know it, it's over, you know? So I'm not going to be worried about the flash until I see a trailer because just merely having all of these characters and all of these elements in there, that's not enough for me to say, 
oh no, that they're going to totally blow this. There's too many things going on. This is overstuffed. The Flash is going to get lost in his own movie. I don't know any of those things. I don't know any of those things, and ni- neither does anyone else. So all I could say is, wait till you see a teaser and then judge for yourself whether or not they they buried the Flash under all of these other things that are happening in his movie. I have a feeling that's not going to be the case, but we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, the, the the story of her casting is very touching for me. I always love it when, you know, that, that, that moment when a star is born, when someone gets plucked from relative obscurity and suddenly their life is different. You know, that, that, so you know, Sasha Kale, Kaye, Kali, no idea. I, I, I should probably Google that. I'll find that out soon enough. But Sasha, you know, I know that she's, she's an actress and she's been in some stuff and, you know, she's not a complete unknown. But let's face it, once you're Supergirl in a major motion picture, your life is different now, you know? And even the thing with Rachel Zegler is interesting because right after they announced her casting in Shazam 2, she shared a tweet. She retweeted something that she had tweeted in April of 2019. I think it's before she had even been cast. This is this is still when, you know, pre-West Side Story, when she was just a fan, you know, who enjoyed movies. She tweeted out, I just li- literally ran into Zachary Levi, or Levy. Uh, such a nice guy, loved the movie, can't wait for a sequel. And now she's in the sequel. What a difference two years can make. I, I-, I love that stuff. To think, to think how different things are for her moving forward now. You know, I, I-, I enjoy all that kind of stuff tremendously. Um so, okay, next topic. We also got a Mortal Kombat trailer. And I'm not going to spend too much time on that. Just suffice it to say, it was pretty badass. I don't know if you've had a chance to see it yet, but there there's a Red Band trailer that came out for the upcoming Mortal Kombat uh, reboot. And similar to the other Warner Brothers stuff that's coming out this year, it's going to be arriving on HBO Max and in theaters at the same time. So, yeah, they dropped a trailer for it. It looks crazy. It looks like uh like a more like like a darker, grown-up, even bloodier version of what we've already, you know, w- what we already know Mortal Kombat to be known for. You know, I mean, it's the, the the part that I keep replaying in my mind is at some point Sub-Zero stabs Scorpion and as blood is spurting out of the wound, he freezes the blood. <laughs> turns it into a blade and stabs him with it. I'm like, I need this movie right now. It's crazy. This movie's going to be nuts. And, you know, as someone who loved the original trilogy of games and who still like, I low key love the original movie. I know it's not considered a classic and it's basically a ripoff of Bruce Lee, enter the dragon in a lot of ways, the plot and all that. Um, you know, I really liked the first mortal Kombat movie. And to me, this feels like, you know, what a Mortal Kombat movie would have been back then if we had this kind of technology, you know, and and we were cool with this kind of approach. So, listen, it's if if you're sleeping on Mortal Kombat, I don't know what's wrong with you. I mean, maybe you don't like the games or maybe it's just not your thing. But if you're into Mortal Kombat, this upcoming movie looks like it's going to be exactly what us fans like. And I'm not the only one who feels that way. That red band trailer broke records 
Deadline reported a couple days ago exclusively that this broke the record for red band trailers. It got like 116 million views in less than a week. Okay, just to put that into perspective, a few weeks back, I was talking to you about the views for the Batman trailer from DC Fandom, for the views for the Godzilla versus Kong trailer, and I think the Godzilla versus Kong trailer at the time was at around 125 million views or something like that. And this is right around that within a week. And meanwhile, it's red band. It's not meant for all eyes. You know, you could understand Godzilla versus Kong or Kong versus Godzilla, whatever the order is. You could almost understand that getting a huge amount of, of, of eyeballs. But Mortal Kombat, what? And it's red band? This is probably going to be half that. But apparently there is a huge appetite for this. And I think it always kind of puts into perspective that, like, we may all be about all the cape shit and all the superhero stuff, but there's clearly an appetite for for blockbusters that don't involve Marvel or DC because some of these blockbusters lately are getting more, you know, more views and more hype than the stuff that that us superhero fans tend to obsess about all the time. I just think that's interesting and sort of unexpected. You know, if you would ask me... You know, which one has the most views? You know, Matt Reeves, the Batman trailer or the Mortal Kombat one? To me, of course, I would say the Batman, but I'm wrong. So that's what happens when you're stuck in your own little algorithm and social media and you think all the things that you like are what everyone else likes. No, that's just your algorithm keeping you glued to your app. Sorry, I'm just going to mention that from time to time. Okay. Um... All right. Yeah. Another important piece of news is Spider-Man three just got a freaking title finally. And, and it was after some, uh, some interesting back and forth where they were trolling us. There was a night where Tom Holland, Zendaya, and oh, what's his name? The fellow who plays his best friend. I forget right now, but they each tweeted out fake titles and fake posters they all had home in the title. It was like phone home and home wrecker and no homies and stuff like that. You know, it was uh, pretty funny. People got pretty frustrated because, of course, you had, you know, fake scoopers out there trying to say, this is it. I know what it is. And then going, I mean, never mind, because nobody knew until the next day. <laughs> um, but... Oh, I could say things about that, but I'm not going to say that right now. Um, so yeah, so we got the title. We got No Way Home. And more exciting than that for me this week was sort of realizing that the size and scale of this movie could very well be life-changing for me. You know, because over on the Marvel end of things, you know, Spider-Man has always been my number one. And growing up, you know, I think for a long time there, Batman was actually in third place. You know, I was a Superman, Spider-Man, Batman fan growing up. And, you know, some of these rumors about Spider-Man 3, some of it's stuff I've already covered here on this show uh, in previous episodes, so I'm not going to rehash for you. But one rumor in particular that made its way to my head finally, and that I believe is that Matt Murdock, as played by Charlie Cox, you know, the daredevil from Netflix, may very well pop up in this. And I, you know, when you combine that with everything, 
When you combine that with the rumors of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, when you combine that with the confirmations of Alfred Molina and Jamie Foxx, when you know that Sam Raimi's coming in to do a multiverse Doctor Strange movie and that he's hired Danny Elfman to come score it, who did the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. You know, there's obviously lots of different things about this that are going to make your head explode when you think about what this could be. And these rumors that we're going to see some sort of sequence where all three cinematic Peter Parkers face off against villains from their past. I mean, this is going to be insane. But then you add to that, that Matt Murdock, you know, Charlie Cox may have filmed some Daredevil stuff, or at the very least, some Matt Murdock stuff in this. And I don't know about you, but to me, this feels like this film could be, you know, just one for the ages in terms of its, its, its scale, the scope of the story, and how much cool stuff they're trying to fit in there. You know, and I listen, and, and I've been critical. Of, of the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. You know, I enjoyed Homecoming and that still remains to me the highest point of Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Far From Home, didn't care for it at all. And I'm not, you know, again, I'm not easily impressed. So even I, even I'm a fan of a character, I'm still not just going to love it blindly. And Far From Home had a lot of deficiencies for me. But Spider-Man 3, with some, some of this stuff that there were, I, mean, I, I should say now, Spider-Man No Way Home sounds like it's going to include some things that could very well just send me into fanboy hysterics when it comes out next Christmas. And I can't wait. And, and the last thing I'll say on that is as part of these, you know, the, the Spider-Man update, Tom Holland referred to the fact that there is a certain fight sequence that they've been working on for a month, a month. And that tells me that's the sequence we've been talking about. That's that top secret sequence where all the Spider-Verse dimensions are going to kind of fold in onto one. And we're going to see our Spider-Men fighting their villains all as part of this grander story, you know? So I, uh, I just had to like touch on that because the Matt Murdock rumor has been out there for a while, but I didn't realize that it was Brandon Davis from comicbook.com who kind of put it out there and said that he's already filmed something for Spider-Man 3, that Charlie Cox has already visited the set in Atlanta and shot some stuff for it. When I saw that it was Davis putting his name on that, that's when I'm like, oh, wait, so this might actually happen. <laughs> like, I can't, you know... This just feels like a, like a fanboy wet dream right now, you know? And, you know, I, um, I'm about to do something that I haven't done in a while while we're in this realm of, of Marvel and multiverses and all that. I'm going to do a little bit of a casting scoop right now just for you watching or listening this show. Are you ready? Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness will include, drumroll please, Agent Carter. Haley Atwell is on the official behind-the-scenes cast list for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And when I look this up, 
there there's like a vague rumor that floated around some time ago that she may be in it, but it has not been confirmed in any kind of official capacity. And I couldn't even find like the article that purported it. But there was some like aggregate website that mentioned something about her possibly being in it. And I'm here to tell you that if you're a fan of Agent Carter, if you're a fan of Haley Atwell as Agent Carter, you're going to get to see her in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And that's interesting, right? Because he's in the present day. We know Haley Atwell as, you know, she was young and, and playing that version of Agent Carter. You know, it's decades and decades before the events of Doctor Strange. So I guess as part of this multiverse stuff, we're going to see him, uh, I don't know, I guess travel in time or go to an alternate world where she's Captain America, possibly. You know, so just kind of wanted to put that out there that I heard about the Haley Atwell thing. And I felt like I got to share this with my peeps. So now you guys know. OK, um, but all right. So I think I think at last it is time for the conversation with Bill of Batman on film. We're going to go through a, a, a fairly in-depth breakdown of Justice League. From start to finish, from when the project was first announced to what, how it turned into that theatrical cut that we got, and to now how we're getting the Snyder cut next month. We're like three weeks away from it. And uh, I just had to have Bill on to discuss. So enjoy. So right now, it is my pleasure to bring on a guest who has not been here on The Fanboy in quite some time. He's an old favorite. He's one of my longtime friends in this here movie, blogging, podcasting biz. He is the one and only Bill Jet Ramey of Batman on Film. How you doing, brother Bill? I'm good. I'm good. Better than last week. Yeah, I you watch, bet. If you watch the news, you know, Texas had a, uh, the entire state. Yeah, not just the northern part. The entire state had a huge winter storm, and uh, we were under under freezing temperatures. I mean, it got it got to minus one here in the Dallas Fort Worth area uh, it, oh. a couple of days, and six, seven, eight, nine inches of snow, ice. It was and it just shut everything down. Rolling blackouts, crazy, crazy. I mean, time. it boggles the mind that an entire state of that yeah. size and that close to the border can suddenly hit. You know, negative yep. one and be blanketed by snow. Yep. I mean, you never saw that coming, right? Oh, well, you know what? It was predicted that we were going to get a winter oh. storm, but nothing like this. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've, we've had a little bit of snow and ice, ice storms every once. I mean, they're every once in a blue moon, but mm -hmm. not this. This was completely, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. And I've, been, and I've been through hurricanes. I used to, you know, I spent 54 and uh, 54 years of my 55 year old life living on the, in the Houston area and near the Gulf coast. And I've been yeah. through hurricanes, but this one, this really shut things down worse than I've ever seen. Yeah. And, and, know? and hopefully you, know, you and yours are okay right now though. Yeah, like you're doing fine. okay. In yeah, your part? We, we, we came out a lot better than a lot of other people. A lot of people are still out there still, still hurting. So if you're watching and you want to contribute, go to i I'm a red cross. I'm a, um, 
Salvation Army guy contributed. They, you know, there's a lot of people that lost their homes and yeah, uh, water damage. Anyway, we can well, get off. Yeah, yeah, but but, but I'm glad that your new home is okay. And I, yes, I've been really yes. enjoying the last few yeah. months of seeing the updates on yeah. on how the bo on the Batman on film office is coming yeah. along there and the new yeah. digs. And I was saying it's lucky that you moved in there before this happened, right? Like, were, were yeah. you closer Absolutely. or further from the the bad stuff where you used to be? I would be. Um, further away I say that but what's funny is Houston got it worse Houston was worse off even though they was didn't have as much snow and ice and yeah and but because I will say the Dallas area and up in the panhandle they they are they are a little little more prepared for this because they do get that more often than south you know southeast Texas or the or the you know the valley Rio Grande Valley so yeah um, they had it a lot worse. I've been through an ice storm in Houston, and it's yeah. just it's nuts. it shuts, well, it shuts everything down. It did up here, but yeah, yeah. I got you. But okay, yeah. believe it or not, I didn't bring you on to talk about snowstorms today. I brought <laughs> you on today because we are less than a month from the yeah. arrival of a certain film, and it happens to be a film that you and I have a unique sort of vantage point on because of sort of our history with this overall story of the alternate cut of Justice League and all that. And honestly, in general, I want to just talk Justice League with you because you okay. as the devout Batman fan than you are, that you are, me as the devout Superman fan that I am, you know, a Justice League movie should naturally be a huge deal for you and I. And I kind of <laughs> want to go through like the milestones that have brought us up to March 18th next month. You're kind of like recap sort of, and, and just kind of run through some of these points with you. So okay. I'm just curious, at the very outset of the movie, when they first announced it, before mm -hmm. BVS had come out, remember there was this whole thing where DC kind of held like a press event and they unveiled this slate of all these different movies mm -hmm. that were coming out over the next five years. And there's where they said, you know, we were going to get Justice League 1 in November and then Justice, November of 2017, then mm -hmm. Justice League 2 in November of 2019 and all Correct. that. So Correct. at that state of the, you know, at that state of things, you had only seen mm -hmm. Man of Steel and you'd mm -hmm. probably seen some trailers for BVS. Mm -hmm. So you hear Justice League is coming. It's parts one one and two, and it's going to be directed by Zack Snyder. What was your, like, initial feel on this Justice League movie? Well, you know, just dis disclaimer, I'm a solo Batman. I'm a solo Superman, solo superhero guy. I like, I prefer the solo movies. I'm not a big team-up movie, especially with Batman, with, you know, with these fantastical godlike beings. But, hey, look, we had the Dark Knight trilogy, uh, which I adore. And, I, you know, I said, you know what? I, I'm I'm up for a different take on Batman. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm I was I am someone who, and I've said many times, I borderline love Man of Steel. Yeah, I remember day. that. Yeah, um, I still do. I, I'll defend that film um, from you know I just I just because I love it. Yeah, I'll borderline the, love it. Oh, so and, and, some, you know, yeah. And and the good news is you no longer have to defend it from me because I've actually okay. come around on that. Come remember, around to yeah, it. Yeah, okay. I remember like three years ago or so I had you on yeah. the show and. I went to town on that third act and yeah. you kind of had to defend it. Well, you no longer have to defend it for me because Man of Steel yeah. has grown on me. But I'm sorry, think, so keep you know, going. I know you yeah, borderline loved it. I've got issues with the third act as well. And yeah. I think that's probably what prevents me from saying I love the, yeah. I love it. But, um, but you know, I was really ready for, I think, I think Man of Steel teed up a, uh, a true Superman film, mm -hmm. uh, full-blown Superman perfectly, you know, with the Welcome to the Planet line mm -hmm. at the end of the movie. 
And I was a little bit, even though injecting Batman into what's technically a sequel, yeah. Man of Steel, really not. Um, you know, that's fine. Uh, I was a huge Ben Affleck fan, still am. I, I, he is someone I wanted to play Batman for a long time, even going back to the late 90s when there was talk of year one. And yeah. When he was he was becoming a big marquee leading man action type, you know. Oh, uh, so you went back that far back. That you far, thought this yeah. guy should be Bruce? Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know yes. it went that far back. Yes, and even and once I became a fan of his directing, mm-hmm. I wanted him to direct yeah. uh, Batman film. So. The idea that I don't like Ben Affleck, yeah, and I am not a Ben Affleck, and I'm a hater of his Batman is just not true. Well, I, well I, we're going to get yeah. into all the weird misconceptions yeah. of, of yeah. all that yeah. in a sec, because I know yeah. where that started, and we kind of we'll get there in a sec. But yeah. just at this point, it's mm-hmm. like late 2015. They've mm-hmm. just unveiled this slate. We haven't seen BVS yet, mm-hmm. and you know Zack Snyder's doing Justice League one and two. I'm, what I'm, was your yep. initial like? feeling on I'm it. good I was I was hey I was on full on board with BVS you go back and listen to our podcast or anything I wrote back then yeah I was all in all in okay all in all in okay and so, I was and I was fine with Justice League yeah well. okay and now sort of the next stage sort of chronologically would be now mm-hmm. now you've seen BVS yes. and now you have a better sense of where Snyder's mm-hmm. taking things Mm-hmm. Now, at that point, how were you feeling about Justice League? Were you I, gung-ho still, or were you like, uh-oh? Well, there's a story, a little bit. I won't, I won't no, take bring it. much time telling it, but yeah. I went I went to the press ju- junket for BVS, or, yes, for BVS in March of 2016. Yeah. And um, I was excited. I had a Ben Affleck logo, you know, the bat, the, yeah. that BVS bat logo hat. Oh, I and, want that hat. Are you still using yeah. it? Right, sorry, I, I've going. got it. I've got it. So, yes, I've got it somewhere still. <laughs> and and uh, I wore it. I wore it to the 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 press junk the next day. But I saw the film the night before. Yeah, all fired up, excited, and I knew when I got to the screening that something was up because yeah. I had to sign a non disclosure agreement. Yeah, that's not normal. Yeah, for, Which for I ne- I'd never had to do with any of any film, Man mm-hmm. of Steel, any of the Dark Knight trilogy films. When I went to those press junkets, ever, wow. I could not. I could not bring a guest. I couldn't. Uh, my wife was with me. She always went to the screenings with me. That didn't happen. Wow. Uh, I had to go solo, and then I saw the film, and uh, I. You understood? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I knew something. I got it, and I was not a fan of it. I and I was, I I was thinking about this this morning, Mario. I went back and looked at my review, and I wasn't being honest Mm. when I wrote that review. I tried. I've tried to sugarcoat a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I think at the end I said, it's not that I don't like. BVS, but it's you know I kept I was making excuses. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's hard to, and it's not just like you're you're misleading people. I'm sure you yes. as a fan, like you want to love this stuff. Yeah, you know, look, you hey, know, it broke my heart. I didn't. Yeah, love it. it really did. Yeah. And and so, um, immediately after that, um, because they were about to start shooting Justice League, mm-hmm. uh, you started to hear the you know they, they sent a big contingent of press out to um. 
to the UK set. Yeah, that was very suspicious. When in and June, think, and, yeah. and then you and I've been on set visits, and I've held on to those those stories for a year. Yeah, usually it's know. like six to eight months. Like you know, you, yeah. you're not allowed yeah. to share those set yeah. reports. Uh, like I went to the set Dark Knight, uh, the Dark Knight in Chicago, and that was in June of 2007. I th- I, don't, I don't think it was till like May of the next year before those stories came out. Yeah. So. They, you know, they had that and I could not go to that thing because it just logistically was in the UK and they, the stories were, were sent out immediately, you know, it felt like, like all, press, like they were trying to like well, dress this up, right? Let, let's, let's call it what it is. It was a yeah. bit of a fluff, fluff piece. You know, yeah. it was a, it was a, a pot, it was a promo to try to uh, negate that a lot of the negative that was still in the air mm-hmm. about BVS. And, and for then- those of you who don't remember, just to kind of add a little to what you're saying, Bill, because some people may not recall, in June of 2016, there was a whole spate of set reports and Vulture was kind of the first one. I don't know if you guys remember that, but Vulture was dropping a lot of articles about things they gleaned from the set. Mm. And that was sort of unprecedented. And guys like Bill and I would talk in private, like this is not normal. This never happens. This is totally them trying to like turn the public perception of DC on film around a bit because BVS had kind of gone poorly for them three months prior. So that was unprecedented, allowing people on the set in June and then instantly as soon as they come back to write back, you know, to start spreading everything they heard. And, and it's Absolutely. just, it was a weird yeah. scenario. Something was definitely up, right? Yes. And, you know, you heard Jeff Johns and John Berg were going to be on set mm-hmm. daily. You heard that. Um, and even, I think during the interviews, I don't know who asked, but I mean, one of the, one of the members of the press corps asked uh, Miss Snyder, who's a producer. Um, yeah about Justice League 2, and it was, then it was... Oh, yeah, that's when they said it's just one movie, right? It's it's one movie. It was never going to be two movies. Well, that's not what what it was about, you know? So... It seemed like things were changing, and they didn't want to admit it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I still, at that point, I you know, and they made it, they made a, they overtly wanted to, kept saying, it's going to be different. It's going to be more, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote, fun. It's going to be lighter, blah, blah, blah. And I still, at that time, I was still fine with it. Okay. I had, and I, I, you know, I didn't have any particularly any um, reason to worry. Uh, yeah. In fact, I welcomed it saying, OK, I really didn't like BBS, but it um, sounds like they're making some adjustments. Yeah, yeah. And, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, so there we were. OK. Yeah. Now, sort of the next phase now is we reach spring of 2017. Yeah. And here's where I believe, you know, we both started hearing the same whispers, but yeah. the difference was I was working over at the Splash Report with Kelvin mm-hmm. Chavez and we kind of put the story out there. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, mid-May, we kind of let the world know that, hey, folks, Justice League is about to basically be remade. You know, at the time, I don't even think we didn't know about the Joss Whedon element of it. I think we kind of thought it was going to be more like what happened with Rogue One, a Star Wars story where Lucasfilm quietly brought in Tony Gilroy to rewrite and direct like half of that movie. But somehow they got away with it and the movie turned out fine and it was okay. So like at the time, it seemed like that's all it was going to be. And I put that story out there and I believe this is around the time where you and I first really spoke because you saw that and you quickly said like, yeah, that's what I'm hearing too. Yes. And I guess that was just an interesting time. And I remember what it was like for me, but I'm just curious for you. Like now when you 
are out there reporting and putting it out there that Justice League, the, the Zack Snyder movie, is basically being mm-hmm. completely overhauled mm-hmm. six months before its release date. Mm-hmm. What do you remember the reaction being like? Like, you know, what reaction did you get a lot online from from your oh. Nick of the Woods? <laughs> Death threats, <laughs> um, uh, complete denial. Yeah, from the fan base that it was true that uh, they they took the 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 cover story, hook, line, and sinker that Josh Whedon was simply going to quote unquote finish Zach's vision. Yeah. Cause that came out um, like two weeks after my report where they added the Whedon element to it. Yeah. But yeah, there was just so much denial and yes. anger and venom, right? It was. Yeah, absolutely. And all I said was, Hey, uh, you know, I said, look, these reshoots are not standard pickups. Mm-hmm. They are significant. Yeah. Significant. And, and that just led to a uh, you know a, a rage against me and Batman on film. I mean personal. I mean yeah. a personal attacks. And you know <laughs> that's what happened. That's what I happened. Mean, that's what was going on? That's you know? what happened. And, but to uh, me, it's it's also related to this bizarre thing where people think that just because you report it that mm-hmm. you feel it like you're reporting it yeah. because this is your agenda. Whereas no, I'm just yeah. passing along information guys. I'm letting you know that That's this Hallmark I, movie yeah. event yeah, is basically being totally turned around. You know, we, we, we've all been waiting years for this. There's been all this buildup leading to yeah. it. And here we are in May and they're apparently going to like remake the thing. You know, we, we were like the yeah, Paul and, Revere's like letting everyone know, Hey guys, justice league yeah. isn't going to be what yeah. you think it is. It, yeah, it, I mean, it turned into that I hated Zack Snyder and that I, I had no compassion for his tra- yeah. family tragedy. I'm a father of three kids. Yeah, that, that's a, you're a father. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely I know. a parent's worst nightmare. My and it's a heinous accusation. Yes. absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And I, I like Zack Snyder. I had was fortunate to meet him several times. Uh, he visited with me for 30 minutes straight, one-on-one, at a Warner Brothers party at Comic-Con back when they were... Um, uh, Doing uh, 300 or Watchmen? Uh, no, no, no. It was uh, Sucker Punch. Oh, okay. Uh, Sucker yeah. Punch. So I think it's like 2011. Um, I knew his publicist very well. And uh, at the Man of Steel um, premiere after party in New York, he visited with me and my wife. Yeah. I have no... Ill- uh, Mario, I mean, just a couple of months before all this, um, through Warner Brothers, he calls me and says, "Hey, we're gonna. Would you be interested in exclusively dropping the first in theater poster for Justice League? Wow, for, for two hours, you know? Yeah. And so, I, this is, never was about. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I get it. Make, and, and people I want, I want don't. To make that clear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But people have this misconception that if you wrote a report and it's got your name on it, that somehow you are responsible for that news, and this news reflects your mm-hmm. internal opinions. When really, yeah. I'm just sharing what I heard, and absolutely. that's it. You know, absolutely. Um, yeah. But but if we're being honest, I'm just mm-hmm. curious. You know what you think of this because. There was perhaps, at least on my end, I'll speak for myself and then you tell me what you think. There was a slight conflict of interests in reporting this in that on some internal level, I was happy about the changes, you know, and this is before they announced the, you know, the, the Autumn Snyder stuff. Yeah. This is when I just heard that they mm-hmm. were going to be redoing and doing a major sort of 180 on Justice League. On some level, I was sort of like, OK, good. DC it sees that this isn't necessarily going the right way for them. They're taking the information in and they're making changes. I, on the surface 
was kind of happy about that. But I also kind of made sure to keep that to myself. Like even in the yes. reporting, I didn't sound at all happy about this news. And no. I even made sure to like say like, folks, this, you know, this is no reason for concern. And I even brought up the Rogue One thing. I'm like, Rogue One mm -hmm. last year was majorly overhauled and it still ended up a great, you know, a good movie. So let's not panic. This doesn't mean that Justice League is a disaster, but it just means that like some major things are changing. So be ready for that, you know? Yes. But I'm just curious I for you, like, as a fan, though, separate of being a, a blogger mm -hmm. and trying to be responsible for yeah. how you influence other mm -hmm. people, separate of that, was it a little, like, didn't you feel a little bit like, I'm glad that they're making changes? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it was, you know, yeah. it, it was an interesting feeling on all this mm -hmm. for me. But yeah. that sort of started changing as soon as the official narrative came out. Because I, mm -hmm. for one didn't like that they brought up Autumn Snyder's suicide and kind of made that seem like the real story. Like, oh, this is only happening because he has to go mourn his daughter and Whedon is coming in just to do two weeks of pickups and it's all Zach's vision. To me, it felt like very poor taste, very distasteful yeah. to use a real personal tragedy to yeah. basically explain your own studio maneuvering. You know, they wanted him yeah. out. They were tweaking his movie yeah. for the year leading up to that. But now it mm -hmm. felt like they were vultures, like they were using this real life tragedy mm -hmm. to sort of explain their how they pushed yeah. him out the door. You know, and so it was, it, yeah, it so, was hard to yeah, it was hard to tell the truth. A lot of more people than me and you knew what was going on. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and there was just there was that tragedy that prevented people from saying that because you come off looking like an asshole. Yeah, and and. And rightfully so. And, and there were I mean, people. Optics are would be terrible. Yeah, you know? and there were people who were assholes. I mean, there were people yeah. online right after that article came out saying, "Oh, I bet she did that because of his movies," or you know, like people were mm -hmm. like making light or saying like like people retweeted the THR article, which talks mm -hmm. about the backstory, as mm -hmm. if it was the best news ever. Like they were so happy, not acknowledging the tragic element of the story. Oh, so I'm there, sure there, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, there were lots of people too. who absolutely came off as yeah. a-holes. I feel like you and I, yeah. uh, you know, we as fathers knew better than to even go yeah. anywhere near that subject in mm -hmm. that way. But it did make it hard to talk about it, right? Because yeah. if you wanted to talk yeah. about the changes, yeah. it felt like you were being, you know, uh, insensitive or making light of I mean, this that tragedy. Was, that was from June through November. November. And, and really, and frankly, into... 2018 because that was still the narrative the narrative mm -hmm. didn't start the the truth i don't think the whole truth really came out yet yeah completely i mean but people let's just be honest everyone who went to see except the ones who knew yeah um but most 99 percent of that fan base uh went in to see justice league in november of 2017 Thinking that that was that was Zack Snyder's movie. Yeah, that, because that that's jo what that, that Josh Whedon had just simply finished Zack's vision. Yeah, that's what all you the know? actors had said. That's what all the studio executives and producers had Everybody. said. Everybody, the official company line. If you were reading anything in the lead up to Justice League, was yes. this is Zack's movie one hundred percent. Whedon is only coming in to do a couple of weeks of just some yeah. mild things, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what the people who were coming after us were like, you know, they were all in denial about, they were saying, no, this is Zach's movie. 
You know, I, I remember dealing with like when they announced that Junkie XL was gone and Danny mm. Elfman was in. Yeah. That was in me another example. Like, guys, this is not that, the Zack yeah. Snyder movie. But people were still it's, so like, no, you're being such a hater. This is all. Yeah. I mean, you know, people were like, the, yeah. the denial was real. And what you're saying is accurate. That most of the fandom and definitely the general public had no idea the full extent of that overhaul until November 17th when they got to see the movie. Mm -hmm. You know, opening weekend occurred mm -hmm. with most people coming to it thinking this is a Zack Snyder movie. So absolutely. that you're absolutely right on that. And you recently brought that up on your social hour and mm -hmm. someone from another podcast somehow took that to mean that you were saying that the theatrical cut was Snyder's vision. And it's like, that's not what you were saying. You were saying no, that everyone thought that. officially. Yes, on the was. record, that was Zack Snyder's yes. movie. Even when you go to yes. go see it, what does it say in the credits? Directed by Zack Snyder. A film by yeah. Zack Snyder. And the plan, the plan all along, Mario, was for this never to come out. Mm -hmm. That's just, and um, I think it, even if the tragedy hadn't happened, that was still the plan. They yeah. brought Joss Whedon on early in 2017. Yeah. Under 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 the ruse of he's going to direct a Batgirl movie. Yeah. But he was really involved with Justice League. Yeah. You know? He yeah, well, well well before anybody knew he was involved. Yeah. With Justice and that's League. an interesting part of the story that I'd like to see sort it of is. expanded upon yeah. at some point. But okay, but yeah. so but if we're going chronologically, right? The last mm -hmm. milestone I brought yep. up was spring of mm -hmm. 2017 when we mm -hmm. find out this movie is being completely redone. Now, yes. you go to see the movie. I remember you saw it like the yeah. Tuesday, right? You remember you went, mm -hmm. you and Rick went to like a press screening. I remember hearing about that. Um, oh, so it was now, me. No, I, I think Rick went, but I was still in Houston. It was me and my, my, oh, my wife. Oh, all right, all right. My wife went. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I remember you guys got to see it like mm -hmm. a few days early. And yeah. I remember, well, I want to just ask you like now as we're going okay. through the chronology of this. So now you, you know that they made changes. You know mm -hmm. you've been fighting with fans for the last few months about how mm -hmm. extensive the, the changes are. Mm -hmm. Now you sit down in a theater, as you say it, mm -hmm. a theater yes. to watch it. Uh, what, did, what did you feel when, when it ended and you're, and you're walking out of that theater? What are you feeling? I, I, I can't <laughs> lie because it was its own video. I had my <laughs> video reaction. I just said, it's not... The uh, cluster uh, uh, dumpster fire. Yeah, uh, that I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and I didn't hate it. You know, mm -hmm. did I love it? No. Yeah. Did I hate it? No. Yeah. It was okay. It was middle that's, of the road entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. And I enjoyed it more than I did BVS. To be yeah. perfectly honest, and that's just you know that's my that's me. Yeah. All right, but me. so so that's you as Bill the fan. Now mm -hmm. you as Bill the blogger. Mm -hmm who's mm -hmm. been arguing with people for six months about yeah. what's really happening to this movie. Mm -hmm. How did you feel seeing that, like, this is clearly not a Zack Snyder movie? You know what I mean? This is clearly well, that, some studio that point, creation. That point, that point, it was crickets yeah. from, from that group. Yeah. Uh, and, and honestly, they continued on. They mm -hmm. didn't say anything. It's a lot of like, you know, when you want to love something and... You don't. Yeah. It's hard. It was like you to, with BBS. Yeah. When you yeah, wanted to me, love it, you know, me people... and BBS, it's me and Batman returns as well. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was like I said, and then once Mr. Snyder started teasing things yeah. online and the, the fans 
realized that this wasn't. And yeah, those guys were right, but they're going to admit, say that. We yeah, no right, one ever correct? admitted it. No one ever came back no. after the death threats to say, yes. oh, by the way, I'm sorry yeah. for be being yes. so mad at so you. Then, it, then that's when, you know, the whole hashtag contingent started. Yes. And, you know, I knew from Warner Brothers, they had no intention of ever yeah. releasing that film. And frankly, let's be t be technical. Warner Brothers is not releasing this new movie. Yeah, that's a that's an HBO Max joint. Yep, all the way. Warner yep. Brothers signed off to have them be able to do that, yeah. and they're the ones that officially put the money into completing it. So yeah, well, and, and, then, and we're going to get into that because that's obviously yeah. one of the milestones, the yeah. actual announcement and how it came to be. Yeah. But before we get to that part of the yeah. chronology, I also just kind of want to share like for me, what happened when mm -hmm. the theatrical sure. cut came out? Absolutely. Because what was interesting was I had spent the same sort of six months just dealing with people saying horrible things about me all the time and coming at me and loading the comment sections of my articles mm -hmm. and coming after me on Twitter. And, you know, so I had been through that same sort of like battle. Mm -hmm. Right. But when I saw the movie and I saw how completely sort of defanged it had been and how completely changed it was and that they really did basically steal Snyder's movie keep his name on it, but completely tweak everything about it. I sort of, I, I, I changed a little bit where it felt like, you know yeah. what? These people are now all going to realize this and I don't want to kick them when they're down. You know what I mean? I feel like they've mm -hmm. clearly sort of lost. The Snyder verse is clearly in the rearview mirror. My sort of fandom has clearly won because now we're pushing forth in a different direction. And it's one that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating with some optimism. And I just tried to like, from now on, rather than engage with these people who are obviously hurting and obviously angry about what happened. And they're also upset about the using of the, of Autumn's suicide as part of the cover-up. You know, I started just taking more of the tact of, I'm just going to mute these people and move on. Like, I don't want to interface with them. And if I do mm -hmm. talk about this stuff, I'm going to try to be as like even keeled as possible because it's clear their side of this battle lost. And for a few years, mm -hmm. that was the case. You know, it was like, they, they're clearly now part of something that's no longer happening. I'm going to put my focus on the future and that's it. But, um, so I, I just want, I kind of wanted to mention that because you and yeah. I, in, in the time since you and I have taken slightly different tracks on how we deal with those extremely volatile people. And I mm -hmm. think sometimes that gets you a reputation because you give it to them and you, you know, and you, 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 you know how to be sarcastic and biting with your gifs and you kind of, you know, you can kind of yep. scoff. Yes. And for yep. me, it's like, I don't engage in any of that because I'm just like, listen, they lost, you know? I mean, listen, now with the yeah. Snyder Cut actually coming out, it's a slightly different story. But for a couple of years there, I was just like, I'm not going to poke that beehive because that beehive, you know, they're now part of something that's in the yeah. past tense. So I'm not going to worry about them, you know? Well, I was, you know, I grew up an athlete and yeah. I, was, I was a coach. I'm competitive. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. with that said, with that said, I have... Um, muted and blocked my way on Twitter and social media where I honestly, it, it takes, it's, a, it's, it's, uh, it's pure luck. I don't want to call it luck, but it's just, it's happenstance. It's a, it's a fluke. If I see anything directed mm -hmm. toward me and, and unless someone sends me something directly, you know, so, Hey, you see a, a link or something, but I mean, 
the I was a bit um, put off, I guess, that not that I wanted anyone to say, oh, well, you were right all along. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It wasn't that. It was that. You, you, like they didn't let up. They went straight from yeah. saying you're a liar and you hate yeah. him to you're a terrible person who yes. is happy about the suicide. Like, yes. like and, it's, yeah, it, I mean, they just, never, never took a break, never stopped. And there was never was this, um, you know, um, not that they acknowledged it, it was just you forgot what you were raging about for six, seven months mm -hmm. and calling me names and threat threats and all this other nonsense. Yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous nonsense now to, well, now it's something else. Now, you know, it's mm -hmm. when you, when, when you say, when you say legitimately, look, Warner Brothers doesn't want to release this. They're not going to release it. Yeah. They don't want to. I mean, officially to them, the, th the movie they put, they put in the cinemas. Yeah. In November was the Zack Snyder cut. I know it's not the Zack Snyder cut. Yeah. You know, it's not the Zack Snyder cut. But they that's their, now. yeah, that's, that's the company line. Telling you. Yeah. yeah. That's what that's, they really were not. Well, yeah, to do that. And yeah. I'm glad you so, brought that up because that's kind of the next phase of the story yeah. now, because then there was this whole chapter where for like two or three years, everyone would come asking bloggers and reporters like, you know, is it happening? Is it happening? And then those of us who could speak to someone at the studio would tell you, no, it's not. You know, I spoke to such and such and they said it's it's a pipe dream. It's not going to happen. There's no chance in hell. And nowadays, people have this revisionist history, like, oh, see, this means you were wrong. And why can't you just admit you were wrong? And it's like, but we were not wrong. That's the thing that's kind of hard to explain to people. Warner Brothers then and now wants nothing to do with the Snyder Cut or the Snyderverse. This only happened because of the way the stars aligned. There was no HBO Max prospect in 2017. The move to streaming wasn't really a thing. Like There were so many different things that, I mean, the entire leadership running the DC division mm -hmm. at Warner Brothers got fired and replaced mm -hmm. and evolved like two or three times since then. Before, like before we arrived at Walter Hamada, yeah. there was the Jeff Johns, John Berg, Diane Nelson era. Yeah. And even the, yeah. and, and then after the Hamada era, now we're stepping into this area where Jim Lee seems to be calling a lot of the creative shots. Like there've been a lot of different evolutions of the power structure there. So, so much has changed between now and 2017, 18, that like you cannot act like what happened today contradicts what we were telling you three years mm -hmm. ago. Because three years ago, that regime, that administration, that studio wanted nothing to do with this. So it's and not that we were wrong, yeah. but something Correct. changed. A yeah, different entity greenlit it. Yes. And there's <laughs> three there's three letters. And they're not HBO. Uh oh. It's A T and T. Oh, A T T? Yeah. A T and T bought Warner yeah. Media. Yeah. And they, H, HBO Max streaming is their thing. Yeah. That's their thing. And that's it. And they found a neat way to sort of start, you know, trying to create buzz for the platform, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's something too that yeah. I've noticed since the launch of HBO Max is that it seems geared towards sort of like fanboyish stuff. You know, they, ha they have these hubs for like anime mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. crunchy roll, all these kinds of like interesting, very sort of niche things. And it seems like part of the mantra of the platform is to appeal to more like, you know, kind of like geeks with intense sort of nerdy fandoms. That's just something well, I've noticed. Yeah, they, they won't, they want it to, to rival Disney yeah. Plus. I yeah. Mean, and you when you have when you own DC Comics and and all that comes with it, and you own those IPs, then yeah. 
You're going to want to find you know? a way to maximize that. And if there's sure. a social media campaign around something that's yeah. getting millions of retweets, you're going to pay yeah. attention to that, you know? Yeah. But, you know, people need to accept and realize that this, if you go back two years, there was still no way this was happening. You know, the, the, none of this would have happened without HBO Max and Warner Max and, and the sort of the new blood coming in yeah. and going, okay, yeah. we, we are going to invest some money in this, which, by the way, are going to be our dollars. You know, like the, the, they're going to be yep. our first dollars because people brought that up in the beginning too. Like, why are they going to spend another seventy million on this movie? Remember, mm -hmm. it, this is a different bank account now. Warner Max didn't spend the three hundred and twenty-five million that Justice League cost. This whatever reported figure of seventy million, these are their mm -hmm. first dollars ever spent on it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's such a unique yeah. scenario where people. It is. People like to glaze right through all those nuances mm -hmm. and just go, see, you, I have a tweet from you from November 18th, the day after the movie came out, <laughs> yeah, saying absolutely. that there's not yeah. going to be an alternate cut of this movie. See, yeah. you liar, you liar. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you just don't pay attention and you're really clearly just out to share your anger. That's why for me, though, when I see that, I don't engage. As soon as I see that sort of nonsense, it's like, mute, move on. I'm not going to go there, you know? But yeah. um, but listen, I feel like if we're gonna if we're gonna harp on some of the more aggressive aspects of it, I do feel like we should give credit where credit is due, though. Yeah. Because that campaign and the fact that it never went anywhere mm -hmm. was kind of you know it, it it's a very novel thing. There's never been this sort of thing before where fans campaign hardcore for over three years for an alternate cut of a movie that a studio does not want to see, and now mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's happening. You know, and on top of that, throughout that, the positive members of that movement were able to do, you know, uh, fundraising for suicide prevention and all that and try to turn it into a more humanitarian mm -hmm. effort. So I feel yeah. like we got to give credit where credit's due. Yeah. You know, like there's lots of fans who would love to, you know, campaign for things or make changes to their favorite franchise, but they're not actually doing it. These Snyder Cut fans we're able to make enough noise to get their movie. And I feel like that's... I, I, look, I, I understand yeah. because it's why I started Batman on film mm -hmm. almost 23 years ago and, uh, you know, uh, campaigned for a, for a good Batman film after Batman and Robin. Yeah. I, I wish um, that... And, and I know that there are a lot of good fans who were behind this, Okay. Is is that is the Snyder DC view my my thing? No, I mean I, it's not my deal. But you you like it cool, and you did this for positive reasons. Yeah, I get you, and I'm with you, and I and I respect that. Yeah, I I wish that, um, frankly, I wish Mr. Snyder at some point had said publicly, "Hey guys, thanks for the support, but talk, quit with the harassment." Talk right? to fans. <laughs> yeah, I look, I appreciate what your your support. Yeah, but this is not the way we should be doing it, and I don't, you know, I don't condone that. That yeah. never happened, you know, and and it's not just I am just one. You're just we're, we're two of many people yeah. who were the uh, re recipients of yeah, this. I mean, anyone very, who didn't speak glowingly of Snyder's DC yeah. movies became public enemy number mm -hmm. one. Yeah, 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 um, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, okay. Now I'm just curious too. You know, with it coming out. And, 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 and because of the negative experience you've had with mm -hmm. people within the campaign, I'm just curious, like when you heard it's coming now, now, mm -hmm. at, you know, now we've arrived at that point in the chronology last year around April, whenever it was in 2020, when they mm -hmm. said it's coming, 
Yeah, were you happy or sad or was there a part of you that's like, oh, now I'm never going to hear the end of it from these people who well, think I was lying to them? Th thankfully, <laughs> uh, I don't take I don't put too much stock in those folks. Yeah. And I'm also done this for so long that I've got a little I've got a, a you know, pretty thick skin. Yeah. Um, I just honestly, I, I got a heads up about two weeks before this okay. was announced. And uh, I'm just like, I can't believe that they're going to spend money on this. Yeah. I just, I, I, you know, and at that time, I was not clear on the dynamic. Yeah, on where of, the money was coming from. You're just no, yes. wait a minute, Warner's going to yeah. do this again? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I got you. So I get why HBO Max is doing this. You had a pandemic. There was a lack of, of content. Yeah. Um, you know, you had a, a very small, I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, the whole hashtag movement really is a Pete, you know, it's a piss in the ocean as c compared to everybody who's aware, you yeah. know? Um, and, and that's, I don't mean that as disrespect. Yeah, I'm, no. I'm trying, I'm trying to use an analogy and to, to make what I'm saying. Of course. You know, I mean, listen, my, people yeah. parse words very oddly, but I know, yeah. I know what you were going yeah. for. And, 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 um, and, and to me, your point also goes to the larger picture of Twitter is not real life. You know, yeah. and people yeah. feel like, well, the, yeah. my entire feed is this mm -hmm. topic. So this must be the hottest thing everyone's talking mm -hmm. about. And people don't realize that, no, your feed is populated by an algorithm that just keeps feeding you more yeah. of the things you're interested yeah. in. So yeah. you get this impression that this yeah. is the hottest topic in the world. Yeah. But no, it's yeah. just the hottest topic on your I, particular yeah, it's feed. It's like, you this know? is trending. And I'm like, it's trending for you because <laughs> you like this stuff. You know, yeah. I yeah. get it. Okay. So, um, uh, but no, look, I... Honestly, I I just couldn't believe that they were going to put money into it. That, yeah. that was my just initial shock as wow. You're going to yeah. spend money on something that was a total disaster? I mean, yeah. really? Really? You know? Oh, well. And it's not and, – and I look, I'm a director-driven guy. Mm -hmm. That's my, 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 my complaint against the Marvel films, that they were very TV-ish. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, uh, kind of run like a television production. Like but movies by committee. I, I like, but I like most of them. I mm -hmm. like, well, you know. Uh, so there's no knock on the Marvel film. Yeah. Uh, I prefer um, what Nolan did with the Dark Knight trilogy or Zack Snyder did, frankly, with, with BVS. I may not like yeah. the end product. But it's bold. But I, and but it's... I will support you to do it. Yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather that and not like it and then to have, you know. Something uh, that just feels a, a safe producer and in a, in a, in a studio crank this stuff out. Yeah. Um, same, same goes with Tim Burton and Batman Returns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. don't like Batman Returns, but I will support and I will um, uh, uh, be in favor of that approach. Yeah. I will. And, you know, um, so... And I, I want to yeah, ask you, though, like you as a fan, like when you think back in the theatrical cut, mm -hmm. let's say that was the only Justice League movie that mm -hmm. came out. Let's say this wasn't happening with the Zack Snyder one. Um, yeah. How... Do you feel satisfied as a Batman fan that that was like the Justice League movie that you thought we deserved? Or do you feel like, man, that, you know, because to me, that Justice League felt so toothless and forgettable that even though I didn't hate it, I resent it for the mere fact that it was so bland. You know what I mean? I feel like yeah. the first ever Justice League movie 
should blow my mind. Yeah, as someone yeah. who has been following Superman since he was three, who on some levels been dreaming of seeing these characters do it. And I know that's not you. You're more you like Batman yeah. on his own, but I'm sure on some level a Justice League movie should have it was probably on the back burner of your wish list. You know, <laughs> I mean maybe no? Uh, wow. No, I mean, I, do I, I, like I said, I was all in on it once. Yeah. They were going that direction, but it's something I would, that I personally want based on my fandom. Yeah. No, I mean, I, but, um, so I think that kind of affects where I am on just what we got is that, okay, I didn't hate this. Yeah. So, you know, good. Okay. I would, but as the DC fan in me, as someone who grew up reading DC yeah. comics, I, would like it. I wish it had been a success and I wish, yeah. I wish the whole thing had been different Yeah, from the, from the, from the beginning. And, um, you know, I look back, uh, that justice league mortal pro, um, uh, yeah, the uh, George project. Miller. Yeah. yeah. That seemed to be something that would be more mm-hmm. of my, into my wheelhouse. More your speed. Yeah. Yes. Cause it was more grounded. You had a, actually you had a, you know, I had a human who was the villain and so forth. So, um, By the way, don't you think now just, you know, since we're looking mm-hmm. back then now, you brought up Justice League Mortal and I've got you here and you're such a yeah. Nolan fan. Do you think it would have been weird having yeah. like two Batman, having Army Hammer's Batman in 2010 and Justice League Mortal in the yeah. middle of the Nolan trilogy? Like, what, what, like did that approach, yeah. do, you, do you think that could have worked? I, I, then, no. It would have been confusing, now, right? maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, maybe. Um because we're actually getting some of this kind of stuff. We're going to have Keaton and Affleck and yeah. the Flash, you it's know, wild. and whatever. But anyway, it's wild. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, I just think I think the chance right now, yeah, for you know, BV for Batman and a Superman in a in a in a movie together, and then a Justice League. We've kind of just we they we they missed the boat, you know. Yeah, to me, that's the other thing too. You know, you can't you can't. Uh, you don't get a second chance to make a yeah. first impression. And now whenever they do eventually, cause you, you, I mean, you gotta know at some point there will be another attempt to sure. make a justice league. I don't know when sure. it will be, but there will be, yeah. you know, unfortunately that's going to be like, you know, let's try this again, as opposed to here's the momentous first time, you know? And I guess that, that that's the difference between you and I as a fan. Like for me, as soon as Iron Man came out in 08, and and they announced that Marvel was essentially building to this Avengers crossover. We're, we're, we're going to get to meet four of the key Avengers in their own solo films. And then it's all going to culminate in one huge spectacle. The yeah. second I heard about that, I was like, I cannot wait to see Justice League done in this mm-hmm. way. You know, like there was yeah. a part of me that just been, was longing for that sort of approach to come our way. So for me, Justice League being somewhat just vanilla and forgettable and okay just feels mm-hmm. darn right offensive. You know, so I think, yeah, I think we're <laughs> at the point now where just make a Justice League film. I mean, yeah, I think I oh, think just like drop you know, into it. You it. mean, yeah. Just, just make it. You don't, yeah. don't worry about it. Connected. Make a Justice League film. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't think it, you don't have to have Robert Pattinson be Batman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could ha- do you know. like the mortal concept now, where you know, especially because yeah. we're I talking mean, yeah, about the can. multiverse, right? And then, then you, and plus you have HBO Max now, which you know yeah. that, that could be a. I would love to see Justice League Frontier, the mm. comic book, yeah. turned into an HBO Max miniseries. Or I've also said I would love to see Kingdom Come 
yeah turned into an hbo oh, max that that to me is done. like a bucket list yeah if if they ever announced like Watchmen. yeah yeah if, exactly if, yeah. if if it was like hbo done with Watchmen level mm-hmm. production value with that sort of yeah. casting that sort of seriousness mm-hmm. and they announced it's kingdom come i mean you could just kill me right after the last episode i'm done i'm good <laughs> you and know i think i think i think warner brothers and all you know, the whole thing i think they're they're okay with that now. Their whole approach seems to be we're just going to make good DC movies. Yeah. We're going to do our best to make good DC movies. Yeah, we've got the Batman here. It has nothing to do with any it has nothing to do with any things that are yeah. quote un, you know connected. You had Joker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I think at some point, we're, hopefully, hopefully we'll get a Superman film. Um, and I, I, I think it'll, I, I think it'll be, it'll be, a, they'll, they'll hire a filmmaker who has a passion for that mm-hmm. character like Matt Reeves has with Batman and yeah. they'll do it that way. Just and let that guy with his vision and go that route. Yeah. So well, I, I, you know, I, I am banging the drum for a Superman film. So yeah. just make good movies. And so just make good movies. You're going to, yeah, yeah. But now, but with that in mind, though, because you said, you know, we know that like the studio is happy with HBO Max as a platform mm-hmm. for other takes on things. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I know the studio feels that way and that the studio is cool about the multiverse. But I want to know about you as a fan, Bill, because sometimes when I see the way you talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League or whatever, mm-hmm. I, I guess it just brings up the question like, if you know that this is an else world tale, can you enjoy it for what it is? And will you be excited to see if it leads to elsewhere? Or do you want to just hope that this is the cul-de-sac and you really just, you're not going to give it a chance because you're so burnt out on it. You know, like in other words, I'm just trying um, to figure out like, cause on HBO max in theory, I, this stuff yeah. could continue, but you know, how do you have, feel about I, that? Personally, the fan in me, I have, I don't have any interest in seeing uh, Zack Snyder justice. Like I don't like BBS. Yeah, I know a lot. I know a lot about this movie. It's just not my cup of tea. Yeah, if it's yours, not and I don't mean you, yeah, Mario, yeah. I just in general. Yeah, if that's yours, I, I knock yourself out. I'm happy for you. Yeah. Um. I I I don't like because okay. of the di- yeah. I, I'll put. Let me say this, and then you could. Yeah. I think with, I think with with uh, Gala and Momoa and Miller. With their contracts really being more with Warner Brothers pitchers, mm-hmm. that I don't see that world continuing on HBO Max because yeah. Warner Brothers pitchers has plans for mm-hmm. Wonder Woman three and Aquaman yeah. two, and they got the Flash coming, which seems to be going to kind of tweak things a yeah. little bit continuity wise. So, but I would love to see DC properties on. Yeah, HBO Max, the Snyderverse. I would no. I, I just I couldn't get behind that personally but, as a fan. But yeah. I'm just curious though, because you 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 did start mm-hmm. off this conversation by discussing mm-hmm. how much you would have loved to have seen Ben Affleck's Batman, right? Mm-hmm. And we never really got around to really experiencing him. You know, like in yeah, BBS, that's a whole different. That's a whole different show. Too. That's a yeah. whole different show. But it you is. know, it, everything felt like a tease. Like in BVS, I enjoyed his Batman. I I, I didn't. I don't have the qualms about the no kill rule and all that stuff. You know, I I was enjoying where that was going, and I wanted to see more between him and Jeremy Irons. I wanted to see a movie that take takes place before he's this bitter and jaded, before the murder of Robin. Mm-hmm. Like I was looking. So so forward to mm-hmm. getting to see Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne in action in his own little trilogy of movies, so to speak. So 
But for you though, so as someone who who was on the Ben Affleck train even before the rest mm -hmm. of us were, you mean to tell me that if a week after Zack Snyder's Justice League they announce because uh, based on its huge success, right? This is all mm -hmm. hypotheticals. Mm -hmm. But let's say just like with Wonder Woman eighty four, where like three days mm -hmm. later they announce a sequel because so many people were streaming it. So let's say Justice League comes out, mm -hmm. creates all this positive buzz, and then they fire off a press release that Ben Affleck is going to do his own four-part Batman miniseries for HBO Max. You mean to tell me you're going to turn your nose up at that? No, I wouldn't turn my nose up okay. at that. No. No. <laughs> so you would, uh, but, but technically that's in the Snyderverse. I'm going to be honest, just that now the, you know, the running Batman on film guy, that part of me is like, that's good for Batman on film website. <laughs> you know? But... Um, like you don't feel ripped off that you never got to see him like on his own. You wouldn't like jump at the chance to see him and Jeremy I would, Irons. I would, I would enjoy. I would be in favor of seeing that. Yes. Okay. I would do. And, it. and as long am as I, it doesn't interfere with Matt Reeves, as long as yeah. it's made am, clear. Am I, am I campaigning for that? Do do I think? No. I think I think what they're doing with the Batman is yeah. more more jobs more with with my sensibilities. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, but yeah, I would, I'd be, I'd, I'd be okay with that. Um, yeah. Cause I feel like as long as they made it clear, like, like, like don't even call it Batman, call it like the storyline title. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like imagine there was a mini series called yeah. the long Halloween or Hush. I think that, I think that, and it just, is just me. Yeah. Educated guess and, and things, things I've heard. Warner brothers is so all in on this, on the Batman mm -hmm. and you know, with it, with it having spinoff. A spinoff series yeah. on HBO Max with the, and it may not be oh, the only true. one. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The but Gotham PD being on HBO yeah. Max does kind and of there, make there, it. There, there could be some, uh, maybe one or two more they're tied into yeah. with the Batman that I think maybe that could be preventative yeah. or a detriment to that. And, you know, and I'll ask you this, and I think this is a lot of people, and I say this as a Ben Affleck fan. Yeah. And, and someone who uh, felt for him when he went through all the bullshit he yeah. was going through, uh, the pressure he had on to make a solo Batman film, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, um, he was so over it there by the end of yeah. that. Yeah. Maybe now, you know, yes, he, you know, he spent a day or two doing the the, the additional photography for Justice League for the, you know, the nightmare. Yeah, maybe scene. putting the cowl on made him feel. Maybe, uh... <laughs> you know, he's maybe doing the Flash. Yeah. It's something that he's doing because it may give him a cool way to to in a positive manner exit the role in a yeah, positive some closure. manner. Yeah, and and uh, and he wants to do other things. I think people people uh, underestimate you know, ben, Af ben, ben Affleck's our Batman, and we want him forever. And have you stopped to think that all the shit this guy went through over this? Yeah, and maybe he's happy with these two things, and he's ready to do. Other things because he's a fantastic writer he's great. and director. Yeah, I can't wait yeah. to see what he continues yeah. to do next. But yes, I would. So I would be anxious to see. Okay, yeah, see, I wanted to get you on the record. An Affleck miniseries. Yes, right. I would be personally the fan of me. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, absolutely. And, and and technically that's in the Snyderverse. So I'm getting you on the record here saying yeah. that if there were was a continuation, so to speak, yeah. and if it was like especially Batman centric. You yeah. would check that out, I, and I want I want it to be Ben Affleck's. Yes. Oh, yeah. Version. Obviously, yeah, yeah. yeah with yeah. a writing it, his even though it's technically part of the Snyderverse, but yeah. you know, really comes from his 
mm-hmm. what his take on Batman is. From his is creative whatever. wheel yeah. well there. Yeah. You know, I got yeah. you. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I would be so all in for that. But realistically, you know, everything you pointed out, is it makes it unlikely. Not to mm-hmm. mention also his schedule. I mean, he just added mm-hmm. like two new movies in the last couple months. And he, you know, he's mm-hmm. a very busy guy. So I don't see where he was going to get the yeah, time I, to do I this. So, I am so but, happy that he's yeah. back doing yeah. some good stuff. You yes. Know? Really but, I, but I do like that in this hypothetical, yeah. you, uh, you would be on for that. Absolutely. So that's good. Because listen, yes. there's people who feel like, you just hate all that and you just want it all to go away. So now I've got you here <laughs> on the record. Okay. Yeah. What? No. <laughs> and, um, and, and before we move again, because we're going to wrap up shortly. I know you were yeah. running low on time here. But yeah. before we wrap up on Snyder and the Snyderverse, sure. you know, I do just want to say that, like, remember how I said I, I started taking a different approach mm-hmm. after the theatrical cut came out. Basically, mm-hmm. since the fall of 2017, I've been far less hostile and aggressive mm-hmm. with those people. And I guess the the thing I want to impart on you is that like, for me, like I now have a lot of friends who are from the release, the Snyder cut world who aren't from that toxic, awful, gross hive mm-hmm. of fans. And I just kind of want to put that out there that like, if you can just, if you can turn the other cheek once in a while, there's a lot of good people there. You know, like I think about like I I have a, oh, I, a yeah like I have I a married so. couple like Maria several. Maria Hay and Dusty. They're a married couple. Maria and Dusty, like they they would listen to both of us, and they're both mm-hmm. hopelessly devoted to the idea of Batfleck returning. Mm-hmm. But at some point, they felt like you were so negative on the prospect of that that it was just like you know. You didn't want well, to give it a chance, and it felt like you were let's, coming let's, for no, them. No, it, it's the same thing. It's the same thing as saying um, the Snyder Cut, or I'm sorry, uh, Joss Whedon's reshoots aren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's It's, the thing where they're confusing your opinion with what's going on. Yes, it's saying I I like Ben Affleck as Batman. Yeah. I always have. I've been a supporter for years. Yeah. From what I know, I don't see that happening. Yeah. And and I just said to you, admit it. If yeah. it happened, I would enjoy it. I All would right, cover good. It on Batman on film. Yeah. So there is a bit of misconception. Yeah. Oh, a bit. There's a lot of misconception. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to me and uh, I got and you. how I feel about that. Okay. And, and I've got people who work for Batman on film who love yeah. BBS. Yeah. I know you do. Peter. For, Peter loves yes, Batfleck and all. Yeah. yeah and I know. Chopping at the bit for um for the Snyder cut coming out. Yeah. I interviewed the guy who wrote the the book. Yeah. Um, Sean O'Connell. Yeah, the, I, I didn't, but the, the, my guys did. Yeah, the, uh, there is a diversity yeah. of opinion at BOF. Yes, it's not. Yeah. You know. So okay, yeah. so I just wanted to just touch on that though, because over yeah. the years, like I found that like my relationship with people who tweet those hashtags out has evolved a lot over the years because I just ignore the idiots. The ones who mm-hmm. come at me with just pure mm-hmm. anger and they're all misinformed yeah. and they don't seem to understand the fundamentals of a reporter doesn't want the things they're reporting. They're just reporting. Okay. You know, like I've been through all that, but in these last several years, I've gotten to know a great deal of people who adore Snyder and who are actually sane about it. And uh, I just kind of want to acknowledge those people since we did discuss a lot that, you know, there were a lot of. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've there. said many times there yeah. are. It's it's um, unfortunate that the toxic those, ones are the, the loudest. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, at the same time, um, they're I think they're a little bit bigger of a minority of yeah. the minority than than people let on. And yeah. I wish that someone had shut that down. And and I think at at one point uh, there could have been a better a better way. That's fair to do that. And I have been a proponent of um, good online fandom mm-hmm. for years, and that yeah. goes back for a long time. I. I'm against. I, I can't stand toxic bad fandom at I got all, you. and I and because because it ends up making the good ones. And I I consider myself a good one. I'm sorry, you know, if you, you don't believe me, but I am <laughs> a good guy. It makes us look bad when people act a fool. I got and you. And that's what and that's what the general public thinks about people who like Batman, Superman. Yeah, Wonder it's Woman. It's true. It kind of it brings us down stuff. a notch when it, we all yeah. just seem like angry mouth breathers yeah. who can't process news. Correct. Um, all right. But before I let you go now, mm-hmm. you know, now we're here. Now we're mm-hmm. in, in 2021. Zack Snyder's Justice League is coming out mm-hmm. next month. But, you know, the Suicide Squad is right around the corner mm-hmm. and the Batman is coming next year. You know, we're kind of moving into a new era of DC. Mm-hmm. And with this multiverse concept in mm-hmm. full swing, and there's all this news about the Flashpoint movie and Supergirl mm-hmm. and all this stuff. So I'm just curious today, as of today, mm-hmm. how are you feeling about DC on film and, and, and what's coming, you know, and the future best, best I have in a long time. Yeah, really. I really, yes, absolutely. So you're, ha- you're they, optimistic about the multiverse mm-hmm. and yeah. and everything you're hearing yeah. about the projects on the way. Yes. I, I, I hope they, I hope they do, uh, more stuff on HBO max, like, yeah. you know, uh, peacemaker, you know, they're doing mm-hmm. uh, off of the suicide squad and, you know, Gotham Central with the Batman. I I, I want to see more DC stuff. Um, um, so yeah, I really do. I mean, so you're I know I know Birds of Prey didn't do all that great yeah. at the box office, but I really liked it, mm-hmm. and I got it. And I, you know, and uh, I'm a, you know, that was a, a director driven film. Yeah, keep that it was up, Kathy you know? Ann's movie. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I'm Beautiful. excited. And you know, twenty twenty three year old Bill can't barely contain. How excited I am to see Michael Keaton! That's gonna be nuts Batman again. That's and gonna be so they, nuts. If if this what I hear from multiple people that this is going to springboard into some kind of riff off of Batman Beyond, The Dark Knight Returns, yeah. with him, I being mean, Agent Bruce, and they're he's mentoring a successor. Yeah. Come on, bring it, bring it, bring it on, bring, bring it, it on. I yeah. like that. Okay, good. Because, you know, I'm glad where we're ending here. Because, you know, we yeah. started speaking about a time when when DC on film looked a little mm. shaky and things were up in the air and there was a lot of dark stuff going on. But now here we are in 2021 and you're looking forward to the future and you're excited where we're at. So mm-hmm. that's that's very uh, that's good news for me to hear. That's good to yeah. know that you're happy because I'm pretty I, happy, I, too. I, you know, I, I know that like, happy. yeah, like I know the multiverse thing can seem a little like you know, it's an easy way to just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And if it doesn't stick, well, it was the multiverse. You know, like some people are having a little trouble with that, but it doesn't sound like you are. And I'm not so far, as long as the movies are good. That's bring it on to say the same thing. I think if the movies are good, people will come out and see them. Amen. They don't don't care. The general, they don't care about the continuity and stuff. Yeah. Trust me. People went and saw Batman Begins thinking it was a prequel to Batman 89, and, and, and people liked it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you know? right on. Well, Bill, thank you so much for coming on the Fanboy today. It has been Anytime. too, too long. And pretty soon, very, I'm, 
yeah, I love this discussion. We kind of just let it go a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. We just spoke about it. Because it's been an intense couple of years, especially, you know, for the two guys who were the Paul Revere's of Justice League saying like, (laughs) you know, the the rewrites are coming. The rewrites are coming. You know, it's been an interesting ride. But the movie comes out next month. I, you know, I hope it does well and if it if it does continue and keep it there on hbo max i'm happy with what's going on on the big screen i'm in a good place you're in a good place thanks for coming on bill i'll see you i'll see you on one of your shows pretty shortly i believe right always a pleasure having bill on the show and uh, i'm gonna have him on again at some point and i'm gonna be on his show pretty soon so i will be sure to let y'all know when that's gonna happen Before I wrap things up this week, I also want to make a quick announcement that Revenge of the Fans is evolving. And for now, one of the first things I could tell you about that evolution is that we are becoming part of the Wabam Entertainment uh, family. And, you know, my cousin Brandon and and his intrepid partner, Isaac Wolf, my friend, they have the Amateur Otaku podcast and they do some, you know, they contribute a lot to Wabam and Revenge of the Fans is going to kind of become part of uh, their little network there. And what Revenge of the Fans is going to become or, you know, going to continue to be now is a, 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 a multimedia entity. Revenge of the Fans is where you get podcasts and vlogs moving forward. And written content is going to not be happening all that much, but the site is going to be turned into a bit of an archive for those of you who want to go back and check out old columns and review old stories and scoops and whatever. The site will continue to live on, but overall, we're kind of just turning this into a podcast network and YouTube channel almost exclusively. And we're doing that under the Wabam Entertainment banner. So check out Wabam. Great people. I love the folks who run it. Landon is the man. The people who 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 uh, I've associated with from that you know nick of the internet woods uh, have all been wonderful people. And I'm excited that Revenge of the Fans is going to live on in some way uh, as part of the Wabam family. So uh, everyone, I hope you enjoyed episode 125 of the Fanboy Podcast. Sorry for keeping you waiting an extra week, but uh, listen, it is what it is, all right? So thank you. Be awesome to each other. Maybe be awesome to me and write me a review. Uh, Maybe be awesome to yourself and check out that Superman and Lois premiere. And until next week, life is chaos. Be kind. Adiós.